I'm Hannah. And I'm Matt Hannah. And this is Horror Hour with the Hannahs. Where we discuss your favorite scary movies. So for today's episode, our very first, we are discussing Insidious. The reason we picked Insidious for our first episode is because it was actually the first horror movie that I had ever seen. Um, So it held a special place in my heart and I thought it would be a fun way to get things started. And what age was that? I think I was like 15, like a sophomore (laughs) in high school, because I am a huge chicken shit. Um, I actually, the first day I watched Insidious, earlier that day, I had cried from fear watching Coraline. Oh, okay. So that's... Yeah, you didn't really start watching him until we started dating. Yeah. I really didn't like horror movies until we started dating. You made me watch a couple, and I still didn't like them. And then I think... It was Nightmare on Elm Street that really, like, brought me in. Did you uh, like Insidious when you watched it the first time? I actually did. Um, but, but you didn't continue watching horror movies after that? No, I was still too chicken. And I, like, watched it with other people, so that helped. I saw another horror movie, like, a year later that was bad that scared the crap out of me. So I- I've just always been kind of a chicken. I've definitely gotten a lot of Which one was that? Mama. So, like, not oh. even a good movie. Um... <laughs> I, and I still have nightmares about that for some reason, and I've watched way scarier. At was this that point. actually its name? Yeah, it's it called Mama. Mama. Yeah, it was it with the feral kids in the woods? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. That one. All right. Um. So anyway, not talking about Mama, talking about Insidious. What? So we kind of covered my experience with the movie. I first, it was the first horror movie I saw. I saw it around age fifteen, and I've definitely seen it. It's probably the horror movie I've seen the most amount of times. What about you? Um, with Insidious, I saw. So I was a James Wan fan. But I don't think I actually watched Insidious until college. I think you actually made me watch it. I probably did. <laughs> uh, when I had like seen The Conjuring, I'd seen the Saw movies. Um, but Insidious, I just never got around to. And, and, and in case we didn't say, this came out in 2011, directed by James Wan. Written by Lee Wynell. Who also and, wrote Saw. And yeah, they have that partnership. Starring Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, and Barbara Hershey. So, and some kids. Yeah, <laughs> who are barely in it. Which... Love that for them. Um, But if we want to get started with like a 15 second summary. Sure. Do you want to go first? No, you're going to go first. I'm going to go first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, You have a timer ready? Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Grab a timer. I was not that prepared, but. Oh, do we want to, we can also talk about what we think about this movie before we saw it. No? Okay. No, I had a very specific order of things. Okay. That's fine. You told me I was in charge of that. Okay. So I don't know if we'll keep this in, but Matt's clearly a dummy. No, I'll keep it in. Um, <laughs> this is our dynamic me prepared. Matt, ruining Matt. Okay, here's your 15-second summary. Go. Uh, Patrick Wilson is a bad dad who uh, has a bunch of trauma and has never learned to cope with it, so he doesn't teach his son to cope with it. So his son gets caught in the further and can't get out because he never learned how to. That was perfectly 15 seconds. All right. I have a bone to pick about your summary because (laughs) like, yeah, he's not the best dad, but it's mostly because he has so much trauma. Oh yeah. But give me 15 seconds. So I don't know. Um, my summary, you timing it. It's less than 15 seconds. I can summarize it with a single quote from the movie. It's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. Oh, so you went with a fun one. That's my whole summary. Okay. Yeah, I came prepared. <laughs> um, I probably won't do that all the time, but I think that quote is so... One, I love how it's delivered. 
I think it's done really well. I think it captures the theme of the movie and what makes it different from a normal haunted That's house a good point. movie. We'll get so, into that, I guess. Yeah, so just right off the bat, before we get into too many thoughts on the movie, we are going to discuss how many times I actively hid behind my hands, behind a blanket, um, behind my sweatshirt, how many times one of us actively screamed, and how many times one of us panic laughed or exclaimed some sort of curse word. All right, you kept track of that? Yeah, I did. So um, I hid a total of six times throughout this movie. I'm sure if I hadn't seen it, it would have been like the whole movie. Um, but I managed only to hide six times. Um, total screen count was five between the two of us. And I either panic laughed or yelled like, oh shit, or oh fuck. A total of eight times, <laughs> which I thought I was doing really well. And then there were just a couple scenes I like totally forgot about and just like yelled like balls, balls, balls. We should balls. just count that as a scream. I don't know. It <laughs> felt different. <laughs> Whatever. But um, so I thought it was like, it's not the scariest movie I've seen. It's not the movie that makes me the most uncomfortable. I've certainly have others that like leave me feeling really uncomfy or panicked. But overall, it does pack a punch like it is scary yeah it definitely has its moments i would say prior to us watching this i was kind of like dreading it not because it's scary but because i actually like before watching this was like you know what i don't love this movie mm-hmm. um and uh, i mean also we're gonna get into spoilers here i would say it, it did not grow on me anymore this time there's <laughs> some great moments yeah. um and i think just a really atrocious third act or at least just a section in the third act that yeah, I agree. really, really bogs it down. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about the things this movie does good. Can I interrupt you? Real yeah, quick? sure. I would say this time around, like every time I enjoyed myself, <laughs> I think I have like a lot of nostalgia for it though, mm-hmm. since it was like my first horror movie. It's the first one I ever like watched all oh, the way and, through and, people and enjoyed movie. it. And people love this movie. I and think I I'm just cranky. I definitely get why people love it. It is really fun. Would I say it's my favorite? Would I say I've seen better that came out in the last year? A hundred percent. Will I watch this again in the future and enjoy my time? Yes. You I know do. what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be make, be sad, but I think it's my least favorite James Wan movie of the ones I've seen. It is certainly not my least favorite and will definitely cover my least favorite at some point. It's on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't spoil it now, but I will be saying it when we cover that movie. Um... And that's a movie I love. It's Malignant. Yeah. I love Malignant. Screw you. I was trying to keep it close to the chest. Yeah, I did not. I understand what Malignant's going for, and it's supposed to be camp, but it's not for me. Um, but Insidious. I do like. Do agree, though, that the third act is piss poor in comparison to the rest of the movie. I just, like, don't find the scenes in the further. I think they look kind of bad. I don't love the look of the lipstick demon. Like when they actually show it, I don't find it that scary. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of horror, right? Or like creature features. Just once you see the creature, it becomes a lot less scary. I think there's only a couple movies that I found that I actually was scared once I saw it. And this Jaws. is not one of them. I still feel scared of the shark in Jaws. I think the mechanical think shark's scarier than a real shark. My example that I thought of off the top of my head is I love A Quiet Place because I'm a sure. John Krasinski stan. And I think yeah, the creatures are the creatures are fr- Like enough, they looking. don't yeah. ruin the scare for me once I see them. But Until every single creature in that era looked exactly the same. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, let's talk about, yeah, uh, the good I want to talk about things this movie does well. 
Yeah, go um, for it. And the, the first thing I'm looking at my notes that makes me laugh is I feel like I heard people complain that Patrick Wilson is kind of like wooden in this. But I, I felt that that was like exactly what he was supposed to be doing and that his bad acting maybe was like, or what people would call bad acting in quotes was more of a choice as he was trying to like convey this like completely like detached person because it was clear that he was just super avoidant of his problems. And like yeah. from the opening scene of the movie, it's clear that like he's a, almost an absent father. You have mom running around doing everything for those kids and he's still yeah. in bed gets up, goes to work, and then yeah. lies about staying late to grade and I tests. I think, yeah, I think that performance, again, could come across, like you said, as just kind of, like, boring or, like, he's just not doing anything with his performance. But I do think it's extremely deliberate. I think the choice of him being so not present is, one, it's clearly written in the script, and two, I think it kind of adds to the total overall meaning that I think I got from it, which was about, like, our coping skills and our trauma over time, and I definitely want to elaborate on that further, but I think he's doing a fine job. I think Rose Byrne is crushing it, and Rose I... Rose Byrne's the... That's mom. The, oh, the mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she's I think good. Barbara Hershey, who is Elise... Yeah. She's the psychic. She's fantastic. She crushes. She, yeah. No one holds a candle to what she's doing, in my opinion. I wrote, and all of the like, my note? best quotes from the movie are said by her, such as the one I, like I started off with. It's not the house that's haunted, it's your son. My note specifically says, Elise kind of killing it, given this goofy-ass dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, she was doing like George Lucas dialogue in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dialogue in the movie can be extremely corny, but... Sometimes I think that this I think is one... in service of Yeah, it. it's like what we something about Malignant, which is a like camp. Like, I think Juan just wants to be very goofy and is, like, uh, almost the first movie is kind of serious and the second – or, excuse me, the first half of the movie is kind of serious and the second half is kind of goofy. Yeah. I feel like he's at his best when he's either full serious or, like, full goofy in this, like – nah, that's not even a be- good way to say it. When he blends it well, it works really well. When it's, like, s- separated like this is what it doesn't really work for me, if that makes sense. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean, the I, the Elise lines were, were hilarious and, like, good. And she Girl just... was crushing yeah. it. She was crushing. Uh, but the other thing this movie does well is, I'd say, the, the camera work and the way the camera work lends itself to the scares. Like, they purposely, and I kept commenting, like, every shot is a close shot. Not every, but every shot of people is, like, a close shot to the point of where they're just cutting off, like part portion of their head uh, they're cutting it weird at the neck there's like breaking a couple different Mm -hmm. film rules in ways that have me like wanting to know what's off screen they do these weird pov shots where it's like the field of view is is so much smaller than it should be so much smaller than like what an actual person's is so i'm always concerned on what's right off of the screen builds this tension and then what they get you with is when they actually do have the scare they just leave it center frame just facing you and it'll be there on the screen for a couple seconds. And it is like, that's what truly scares me is when something's just like in frame staring at you. The problem, and I, I hate to go into what I don't like already, but is they do these dumbass audio stings. I and it bothered me. And it's like, I was scared already. I was already scared. Okay. Like it got me. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm double scared on this so, dumb sting that then takes me out of it when it was like more scary. If I'm standing in my room and somebody's standing in my right. door Slow frame. Roll, pal. Sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> I'm standing in my door frame and there's no audio sting, but I'm, I'm going to shit my pants if some dark figure is staring at me through a door as I'm like laying in bed. That's way scarier. 100%. But I do feel like there are choices like the audio stings or there was like a ton of like footage of the outside of the house that just like, 
At first, we were like, that does not need to be there. But I kind of think that those are intentional cliches. One, again, we're talking about King of Camp, James Wan. King of Camp? (laughs) Somebody's going to come at you for saying that. Yeah, no, they're certainly campier. Um, But Sam Raimi stands, come on. True. Come at him. But um, I do feel like the stings are an intentional cliche. This is a movie that starts off just being a classic haunted house movie. And so, to me, I think it works to use a stereotypical horror soundtrack or, like, stereotypical stings. And I also think, for me, it works with all the shots of the house. It kind of makes the house a character, only for later you to find out that, again, it's not the house that's haunted, it's your son. So I kind of feel like it's lending itself to the haunted house trope. So it didn't bother me all that much. And I don't know. I would have been scared either way, yeah. But I do think it might be serving a purpose. But I also didn't do the sound design for this movie. And I'm not James Wan. Yeah, I do wonder where the audio sting started. (laughs) Because I'm not sure if... I honestly can't remember them being in a lot of my old slashers that I like. But I'm sure they are. Maybe they're just done in a way that don't distract me nearly as much. I think they sound cool, so I was just kind of like unfazed. Sure. Do most of my favorite horror movies not have stings? I just need more Tiny Tim instead of audio stings. Okay. That's way scarier to just play Tiny Tim and have ghosts run around. Yeah, so we're kind of been all over the place. Oh, I apologize. But Tiny Tim is probably... So when we say Tiny Tim, we mean there's a specific scene where Rose Byrne goes outside to take out the trash and she leaves her record player playing like classical music or like some just relaxing music. And when she's outside, it switches to Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim. And there's just like a small child dressed as like a sailor dancing in her home who she sees and then follows him into another room and he like is in there and it's like a ghost um and <laughs> I was about to say you didn't make it clear it was a ghost yeah it's a ghost like, it's not kid. one of her kids it's not a random uh, neighborhood child it is a ghost um and that has to be one of my favorite scenes in the movie because for some reason it disturbs me by far the most i don't know if it's the song choice that just really gets to me um i think part of it is she's been alone this whole time like patrick yeah. wilson doesn't experience any of it until later because he's not home well he's yeah because he's father. so avoided but he it's like they, experience... they purposely have the scares happening to her yeah it's very deliberate i think that he doesn't experience a single haunt until the third act mm-hmm. of the movie he doesn't experience a single haunt until they call in elise the psychic yeah. into the house and even then he doesn't believe and then it. he doesn't believe it until they like sit down to do and that's part of the uh, yeah. avoidant thing again is like even when his wife is like begging for help eventually he's like okay fine i'll help you out but like he doesn't even, even then do he that. doesn't believe it, believe and it. so they kind of they almost they're trying to like isolate her. That's probably why that scene is scary too. Is like she's just the one constantly being yeah. haunted, right? Having these yeah. things happen, and I then think, he just thinks she's crazy and she feels almost yeah. crazy. One of my other favorite scenes is when the baby monitor. It's I think the first real like haunting yeah. scene of the movie is when they are. Or she's home, the baby's upstairs, she's playing piano, and over the baby monitor, she starts hearing this voice whisper, and she is like, what the fuck is that? And as she's listening, she hears it scream, I want it now. 
And then mm -hmm. she runs up to the baby's room and there's nothing there. So one, I think this scene is really well done because you don't actually see anything. And it's just a concept that I think is scary. Yeah. Like hearing any kind of weird noise in your home when you're home alone is terrifying, especially if you think it's in your child's room. I can't imagine almost anything scarier than thinking your child is in danger. Um, and then in retrospect, I also love that the voice says, I want it now because that... At first, I was just like, oh, he's just a scary man. But it's in even that is in service of the plot. Like, I want it now. He's probably referring to the kid's body. Yeah, that's so, exactly what it is. Yeah. I love that scene. I think those two um, tiptoes through the tulips kid, and that are my favorites. Did you have any particular favorite scenes? Oh, yeah. I wrote mine down. There was one that stood out to me, and it was what the, the seance scene, I would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that that one just like all around had like really incredible like craftsmanship and was like it's one at his best. Um, it, 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 so what happens in that scene is they have Elise in there and they want to talk to. Well, actually, I think they're trying to talk to the son. I have no idea what his name is. Um, Dalton. Dalton. So trying to talk to Dalton while he's in his coma, but he's really in the further. Whatever that is, where all the ghosts are. And they bring in this this awesome prop, and I, I love it. I don't know, I'm a sucker for this. The where gas mask. She wears the gas yeah. mask, yeah. And she whispers through the gas mask into Lee Wanell's ear, and he's writing things down that are being said to her. So at first she's talking to Dalton, and it's like normal. And then all of a sudden the demon, whoever it is, comes in and takes over. And the room just starts going nuts. The lights are flashing. The, the camera flashes are going off for like the heat signatures, whatever they're doing with, with the ghost hunting stuff. Um, she's shaking. He's writing all this like... This, this stuff just super fast, all this like gross different things that the, the monster, the ghost or the demons are saying to him. Um, and then Dalton is just not in his bed anymore. It like either flatlines or whatever. I think he flatlines and then he's standing at the table, smacks the table, everyone goes flying and then all the ghosts who I, I think the ghost design is cool where it's actually just normal looking people mm -hmm. for the most part start flooding the room because there's this like link barrier or barrier excuse me what am I saying there's a barrier between the further in our world and it, that it breaks and uh, really just like this intense like fast cut scene that I found to just be so fun and um, honestly this was like I think my favorite scene in the movie and then right after this is when we get into the third act that we both really dislike, which is, so I think, very disappointing. What about that scene made it your favorite? Like, the plot points or the way it was edited? I think it's the way it was or... edited and acted. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just a good set piece is what I, I would call it. Like, yeah. we're in the room. We're all, all of them are around the table. We're at, like, a pretty intense moment. And then they meet it with this just, like, building intensity of a scene. Like, faster cuts, flashing lights. Uh, the scribbles that Lee Wanell's writing down get like more frantic and, and, and mm -hmm. scary. And we don't exactly know what um, Elise, the, the medium is saying. She's like whispering and almost through the ass mask as, as he's listening. And then it just like all comes to a like climax with Dalton smacking the table over and going flying and the ghosts all starting to come into the room until she eventually like shakes Dalton out of it. It tells them like, leave, leave this place, mm -hmm. leave this boy. And then things go back to normal and he goes back into his like coma. Yeah. I think it's just a, like it's the craftsmanship of the scene, like yeah. everything about it—the the camera movement, the editing, the cutting, yeah, yeah the really lighting, cool. and the lighting, like flashing, yep. is cool. Um, honestly, though, I think they just were like, "This gas mask is scary, so we have to work it in somehow." Because yeah. I don't know what purpose it's. I love a good gas mask. But I loved it. She looked great. Barbara Hershey, it was so again, good. crushing yeah, maybe, maybe it with it's just her the gas line mask choices, like with her fashion statements. 
Yeah. She's really an icon. Yeah, she was. She She's was like on. the standout performer in this movie for me personally. Yeah. And then unfortunately, we go right from that to an extended scene with Patrick Wilson running around the further, which uh, happens to only be just a little bit grayer than the world they're living in, considering that entire movie is just gray on gray. Yeah, so the whole movie, <laughs> like, we try not to talk about it too much because we wanted our discussion to kind of be saved for the podcast. But Matt did repeatedly, repeatedly complain about um, the editing, like the Not coloring the it's the, of the, the coloring. Movie. Yeah, yeah I don't was... know why I said edit, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the cinematography, the coloring of the movie, the filter that they used is kind of like gray, kind of sepia. Um, Which I think was the trend at the time for yeah. horror movies, so I can't like. I mean, blame you've seen them. Twilight. The whole movie is oh, yeah. fucking blue. But they're in like a rainy. <laughs> but, they're in like a rainy area. Okay, in Twilight, it's at still least. too blue. It's bad. It this, they were happening. in L.A. You'd look at these houses. It was like clearly like palm I mean, trees, like California house. It's a horror house. movie. It I shouldn't know. look happy. I know. But I, I'm a big fan of like the contrast of like daytime <laughs> yeah. being no 100 like, percent nice. I'm, I'm not. Just, like, a little I'm not saying I enjoyed the gray. I'm just pointing out how much it killed you the whole movie oh yeah <laughs> I, then I get to the further the first thing I said was wow it's like not that much grayer yeah, here yeah I do wish that there were more contrast between the real world and the further I think they tried to do that by making like the further like smoky like there was you know like the this further like, looked fog like? effect but the, that was really all that they did to the further there. looked and felt like a bad haunted house and I love 100%. a good haunted house. But like, like a haunted, I'm talking about like the ones you pay to go to and walk around and teenagers yeah. and masks jump out and scare you. I've been to some good haunted houses and I've been to some bad. This felt like a, a bad one. And it was just like looked kind of cheap, had fog and, and darkness. It was just boring. I would sorry. say it was boring. Well, for me. I feel like yeah, it definitely goes on too long and there are some parts in it that I'm like, I do not care, Patrick Wilson. Get your kid and get the F out. But... I do feel like it was interesting to see the other spirits that were supposedly, like, in the further, potentially haunting Dalton, trying to get to, like, the bodies mm-hmm. and whatnot. I felt like that was interesting. And neither of us have seen the sequels to this movie. I don't know if I plan to either. to be in it. Like... Yeah, you're probably right. I know, like, they're serving a purpose by being there. It doesn't make it overly interesting. Yeah, and I don't want to complain about, like, plot points and rules of the movies. I feel like that's some cinema sins garbage. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was like, why are these ghosts just hanging out here? I also just thought that, like, it made it less tense when they were just showing a million Yeah, it seemed like that whole whole part could have just been cut. Especially when he's, like, fighting that. There's, like, a scene where he's, like, fighting one of the spirits further. And then it keeps showing his body in, like, like, real life, like, like shaking and stuff. But it goes on for, like, over a minute. And I'm like, we get it. Yeah, like I don't yeah. like we know you're gonna beat the ghost because we know Dalton has to come back. Yeah, I said to you earlier, and I know we weren't supposed to talk about it, that I was like the, the change I would almost make is like why we don't even need to see him in the further. I think I'm not a filmmaker, so I shouldn't complain too much. But it was like maybe just show us what's going on in the real world, and like then have that crazy twist at the end. And maybe we don't see everything there. I don't know. I don't know if that'd be more boring. I feel like that horror movies have this problem where like three fourths of the way through, they have to have some kind of like conflict mm-hmm. and like there has to be some kind of like action happening. Mm-hmm. And I think Juan's other movie, The Conjuring handles this really well. Yeah, I just don't I think it, Insidious handles it very well because there's no good way to like fight these ghosts in the further and fight the lipstick demon. It just ends up being very like odd and kind of boring. So something you mentioned there was the big twist at the end. 
So, for those who don't know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've watched the movie. And I know it's a very popular one, so I'm sure you've seen it. But the twist at the end is that the old veiled woman... Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. Just, just and him in the further are like having a disagreement. He's like yelling at her through a mirror in the further, and then she takes Patrick his Wilson, body. You mean. Yes, yeah. and then she takes his body, and no one realizes that she's the one that's now in the body. She then, as Patrick Wilson, the dad, kills Elise, and then Elise gets like a picture that shows that the ghost woman. Yeah, he took a picture of her, which body. pissed him yes. off and or her off. Which yeah. So obviously this is a plot point throughout the rest of the movie. This doesn't just pop up at the end. And the reason why I wanted to like pull this piece out and talk about it is because I think it is in service of the overall meaning or purpose of the movie that I see. Um, So again, more background. Apparently since Patrick Wilson's character dad was a child he had this veiled spirit woman in the back of his photos. Every photo taken of him, she would get closer and closer. His mom, as a, when he was a child, had called Elise to, you know, get help for the situation. So she's been after him, trying to take his body for his whole life. And so, very relevant to the plot, but I also think it's very relevant for, like I said, what the movie's trying to do. Yeah, so and that's what we're going to get into now? Yeah. Yep. If that's cool. Yeah, that's that's great. So I know we talked about earlier that dad is extremely avoidant. And I think we can argue a lot of times being avoidant is a coping skill that we develop. And it might not be the healthiest one. Um, a lot of people do that, right? Like we watch a movie because we feel sad. We watch a comedy. like, mm-hmm. But that is also sometimes avoidant. This like dad instead problem. lies about grading papers late and sleeps at his desk while his... Yeah. Wife takes care of three kids and one of them being in a coma. Yeah. But I, you know, imagine from what he's gone through as a child, like he might not remember it because he's repressed the yeah, experience. Yeah, said, they said he repressed like all he of it. he does not remember He doesn't any remember of it. The, the veiled lady in his pictures or anything. Yeah. Which was what they said was mom decided was the only way he could like get was through it and to stop taking his it. picture. Yeah. Yeah. So she like helps him repress the situation and basically teaches him that being avoidant is... The only coping skill for this situation. So the whole movie, we see mom doing all the work with the kids. Mom is the only one learning about Dalton's care, the son when he's in yeah. a coma. Um, and then we see conversations between mom, Rose Byrne, and Patrick Wilson, dad, where she's like, you've been coming home late every night. Um, she says, you're never here. Where are you? Meaning, like, not just are you never here in the home, but, like, where is your head at right now? Because you're not here with me. Because he has been disassociating and repressing everything to the point where he can't even be there, not only physically, but, like, mentally for her. We should also say this is something about the movie we both really liked. Was this, like, subtext going on here? Mm -hmm. So, sorry, continue. Anything about, like, a well-done mental health subplot or theming really goes a long way with me. So I thought it was really interesting and I didn't really have any like concerns or problems about what they yeah. were doing or what they and were saying. A lot of horror movies it. do try to do this and a lot of them do it poorly. So yeah. it's fun when they do something kind of interesting with it. Yeah. And, it works. Um, and like we said, dad misses 
a hundred percent of the hauntings until yeah. Elise gets there, <laughs> which again, I think is in service of this avoidance. Like he is just not present. He is missing all of these things. Um, but then we get into like the generational trauma piece. So not only, you know, did Josh dad, Patrick Wilson, I keep calling him all different things. I should probably stick with <sighs> dad. Not only when dad was younger, did he have this happening, but we even show that his mom has had dreams and astral projections. Like she had had dreams of something spooky going on in the house. Um, and she trained him in the same service to be avoidant. She even says, I dismissed, I dismissed your stories. I told you to grow up. Like she hasn't been there for him in the best way. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it makes it really hard for him to be there for his kids. He's like the ultimate repression King in this movie, as well as just like not the most present yep. parent. And because he's not there for Dalton, his then own kid, Dalton who's also astral projecting. He does the same thing, has no idea how to control it, finds himself in a precarious situation, getting locked up in the further because like I said, Patrick Wilson never taught him mm -hmm. to use it, but that's because Patrick Wilson never learned it himself. Cause his mom said repression's the way to go. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, you know, frequently happens with individuals who are victims of trauma. We are able to, like, sometimes we choose to suppress things. Like, we deliberately try and, like, avoid them or not remember them. And some people, like, really do sometimes repress things. I think it's, like, less, like, it's now psychologically known as less common than we might have thought it was 10 years ago. But... You know, these are real trauma reactions. So I liked that, like, I felt like that was a fair portrayal of it. Um, I think it's, like, cool, too, because they even show, like, things like disassociation. There is a scene that even shows that Dalton, the son, has been disassociating from some of his trauma there is drawings that he made that says, last night I watched myself sleep and I flew away. So I think there's like a lot of these really interesting mental health pieces here that at first I would have been like, oh, this is just a play on a haunted house movie. And all they're trying to do is have a fun movie that like deviates from a haunted house genre. But I think they are trying to do more with that. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think that means for the ending? Because I have my own thoughts, which is that I don't think Patrick Wilson ever did really learn his lesson about like repression and like how to help his family. And that's how she's and that's able why to he, get in. He, he, yeah. he once again, he's in there. And I've, my quote is him just telling either telling his son or yelling at her that none of this is real. And it's like, homie, this is real. Like oh, you're yeah. in the further, all of this is real. He yells at the mirror. Yes, at the mirror, yeah. at the at the veiled lady. He's yelling at her. None of this is real. None of this is real, which is not true. Once again, trying to step away, trying to avoid. And while he's yelling that, she sneaks to his body, takes it over as he's staring, fighting in the mirror. So I don't think like he learned his lesson about like mm -hmm. not repressing these things and learning real coping skills, or excuse me, better coping skills. Mm -hmm. And that's why he gets what he gets in the end. Which it's also just fun and horror movies in the 2010s were extremely mean. That was like the, the trend at the time was at the end of all of them. Basically, the, the bad guys win. They're they're pretty cruel in like a, mm -hmm. a fun way. Not my uh, favorite 
uh, trope, but like you just kind of have to expect it for the time. And I think it serves as a fun twist too. Yeah, like it, it's just fun it's no matter fun. what. There was a period of a bunch of movies at this time. Like I think like Drag Me to Hell well, and um, what's the one with Megan Fox? Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body, I believe, also has like a pretty like mean ending, but it's just what it was at the time. I just love a good little twisty, so I liked it. But I oh, it do is a great twist. Have to like I agree with you. I didn't really think about honestly what like the ending was saying. I don't think I remembered that I should get that far and think that. Yeah, through, I guess. But yeah, because I mean, if I if, like if we're gonna right. read it as the subtext, then, like, like the ending, what does the ending say? Yeah, yeah. That's and I feel like the true. subtext from opening shot. Is is there? Yeah, no, it really is right from the beginning. And I think when we're talking about these coping skills too, I think it's important to point out like mom's coping, like mom has a ton of them. Um, mm-hmm. like she has people to talk to, like she calls people, she asks people for help, like Patrick, like dad's mom, and Barbara. Barbara is Elise. I don't know why I said her actress name. But, like, she has these people she's willing to talk to. She's willing to talk about it. She also, in one of the first scenes, they're, like, unpacking their house. And there's a book that says, Self-Healing Through Music. And they show her frequently playing music. She's a musician. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they laid out, especially with the book being named Self-Healing Through Music, they're making it pretty obvious that she has these coping skills. She has these things to rely on. Like she's not just relying on avoidance. She's actually trying to like make an effort. And he just like doesn't have those tools yet. And he's not going to get them because he's stuck in the further. Unless it happens in the sequels. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who knows what happens in the sequel because we haven't seen it. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if, if I'm interested. I need to. There's a lot of other better movies out there I want yeah. to see. But the fourth one, fifth one, fourth one? The fifth one, Patrick Wilson himself directed. Oh, and that, that's one that's coming, coming out. out. Okay. So the fact that there are five of these confuses the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. And I, I know heard that some it gets of complicated. Them prequels, yeah, so the third one. I heard the third one's actually pretty good. It's well, it has a, our girl Elise in it. Yeah, it's about Elise. So I can get on board with that. I just haven't. Either way, though, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I don't love this movie. I'm happy it was made, though, because I like James Wan and I want him to keep making stuff. And this was post-Saw, correct? Yeah. So apparently, and I read this in, an, I think I was like reading a couple of interviews before we recorded. He said that he wanted to do a horror movie without all of the gore and guts of Saw. And so when they were doing this movie, they deliberately edited out some of the things that made it verge into our territory so it could be spiritually like an opposite project of Saw. That's hilarious though because like the first Saw movie does not have gore and guts in it. It's all off camera. I know. But the later ones do. Uh, that's a discussion for another day because we will cover Saw. Because I love, love that Saw. movie. Um, love James Wan. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that this movie was made. The initial process cost about like 700,000 which in movie speak is very cheap. Yeah. I think the total budget ended up being like a million point five or something. I was about to say something. what did they pay Patrick Wilson? <laughs> it was a very inexpensive movie. Yeah. So I think that that is really fun and I think like looking at it I would not have been like oh they made this movie for under a million. 
Yeah, I'm pretty shocked like, by that. I've seen movies that were filmed for a lot more that are a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was fun. And I think, you know, you have to be a good story writer and a good director to be able to pull that off. For sure. We know James Wan is. Yeah. So. What's next on the agenda? The only other thing that I had on my little agenda was just rating this movie out of 10. All right, you want me to go first? Sure, yeah. You're going to be I'm gonna get, me. I'm going to get killed in oh, the no. comments, oh, in our no, non-existent oh, no. comments. Uh, I was going to give it a 6. A straight out of 10. 6. A straight 6 out of 10. Um, it's good. It does a lot of things right. And a 6 out of 10 is good. You've got to have plenty of 6 out of 10s out there. Not everything can be a 10. Yeah. It's not bad. It's middle of the road for me in terms mm-hmm. of like horror movies and, and movies in general. Um, so come at me, everyone. I, (laughs) when I was watching it, I had a rating in mind and then talking about it, I want to give it higher, but I think that's just (laughs) a nostalgia. That's cheating. I know. This is what we have to record right after. While I was watching, I said I would give it a 6.9. Okay. Which is like incredibly arbitrary. Um, I don't know what the decibel really means for me. It's not quite a seven. That's all right. That's all. All rank ratings are arbitrary. At least in my brain, they are. Yeah. I. You should see my story graph where I rate books. Those ratings mean (laughs) absolutely nothing. Um, I really like it, but do I really like some of the horror movies I've seen since a lot more? Yes. Yeah, I mean, The Conjuring is one's. I next think The project. Conjuring is better. It's fantastic. And it's the same director. We're to do that one at some point, too. Um, a recent movie that came out that I would give like a 10 out of 10, like Barbarian. Like, there are just like you movies give that 10 out of 10. I think you can't I spoil like that. a lot more. <laughs> well, who knows? I wouldn't we'll give it a 10, that. but it's up there. Behind Maybe this. like a 9.8. <laughs> Barbarian's like my current fave. So there are other things that kind of can't be kind of silly. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm realizing now we never said uh, spoilers. We're not going to do like full movie recaps. We're going right into spoilers. Watch yeah. the movie before you listen. Or you don't. Know. Like, do you, man? <laughs> you just don't know what we're talking about because we're just going to ramble about things we liked. And didn't like, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Half of Plenty of things I didn't like. was things you didn't like. No, this movie does a lot of things right. I and, think it's really yeah. fun. It's still a good time. All right, well. You got anything else you want to say? Anything we got to leave the people with? I just wanted to end by saying thank you to our friends at the podcast Paranormal in Pennsylvania because they were very encouraging in us starting this process. And we would just like to thank them for giving us a kick in the butt that we needed to get this started because we've been talking about it for a solid three years. Shout outs already. I have a lot of gratitude in my life, and I think it's a healthy coping skill yep. to practice gratitude <laughs> and to talk well, you know, about all the good things that you we'll might have We'll see if this going. audio is even usable. Yeah, so that's, that's true. <laughs> all right. All right well, well, thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. This has been uh, Horror Hour with the Hannahs, and I'm Matt Hanna. And I'm Hannah. See you next time. Peace.